Welcome to Abiding Hope, a ministry of Hope Community Church of Waynesboro. And now, here's Larry Roberts and Pastor Glenn Holman. I want to welcome everyone listening to our podcast this evening. We're talking about God saves. Um, And this is in reference to Exodus 3, verses 1 through 22. And let me begin by welcoming Glenn Holman, our senior pastor. It's great to be with you, Larry. And it's always great to be with our friend Sam King, who is our producer. We're grateful for him and for all that he does. Absolutely. Um, Glenn, let me start us off with a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for this opportunity to come together, Lord, to speak of your word and to talk of those things in relation to your word that might help others in need. We hope that all of those who are listening will have open hearts and open minds to receive your word and to be changed by it, Lord, to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Glenn, let me start by reading just a portion of this, uh, the actual passages, chapter 3, verses 1 through 22. I'm going to read through um, verse 14, and this is the New American Standard Version. Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Mm. He said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Pezzarite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with you, and this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I shall say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. You know, this is an exciting passage, Glenn. After so long a time where in Hebrew history there's no mention of Scripture in Scripture of God's revelation, Here in this passage, God reveals himself to Moses and calls him to action. He's heard the cry of his people under the oppression of of their taskmasters, 
and has come down to deliver them. So in this scripture, God identifies himself to Moses as the God of his father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Is it possible for us now to truly know God, and how do we go about recognizing him in our lives? That's a powerful question. And ultimately, we come to know God through his word and the ways in which he reveals himself to us through his word. And when we think about the word, the logos, as it's referred to in the Gospel of John, for example, we know that that word is Jesus Christ. So we come to know God as God has revealed himself in the person and work of Jesus Christ. We also come to know God through his, his uh, written word, the, the 66 canonical books of Scripture. And so that is really the way in which God makes himself known to us. And we have within God's word and through the person of Jesus all that we need to know uh, who God is. So can you tell me a little bit about the role of the Holy Spirit in that process? Yes, absolutely. The, uh, the Holy Spirit is the one who uh, helps reveal Jesus Christ to us and reveal God the Father to us. He is the one who convicts us of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He is the one who brings the scriptures to life for us uh, so that we can clearly have an understanding of God. And so we, we really need to be uh, reliant upon uh, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, to mm-hmm. give us a, an accurate understanding of, of the God of the Bible. You know, there, there are so many voices in our vis- very busy lives these days. Um, you know, we don't have the direct clarity of, of God speaking to us necessarily Mm-mm. from a burning bush. Um, <laughs> that would be interesting. <laughs> so without that kind of uh, clarity in our times, is it is it valid to test what we're hearing and seeing and reading? And how, how do we do that confidently? I would say that we have to run everything through the lens of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And Scripture is its own best interpreter. So even Scripture needs to be interpreted appropriately. That's the process of what uh, theologians call hermeneutics. Mm-hmm. And so it's the process of rightly dividing the, the word of truth. And uh, we do that by looking at other scripture. Mm-hmm. Do you find it helpful to use different versions of scripture? Absolutely. It's, uh, it is helpful. Mm-hmm. In fact, they have multiple um, versions of scripture available because there's different uh, there's different ways in which scripture is interpreted. Obviously, the the move towards a dynamic equivalent, what which is basically trying to translate something from thousands of years ago, in a language that we don't really under fully understand, to present day is a difficult task. Mm-hmm. And to then translate what has gone on culturally historically and otherwise to our time and to try to understand that's a very difficult task that's why um, most translations are done by a group of people that work mm-hmm. together they're translating teams mm-hmm. that work together but ultimately to get at your your first question is the importance of us looking through everything to understand who god is through the lens of scripture well, in this passage, God seems to model the events to come when Jesus arrives to deliver his people, and indeed all those who believe in him. So what importance do you see in the timeless name of God? Because God is very clear in this passage about I am who I am, um, particularly in the, in the light of how Jesus identified himself to the Pharisees. Yeah, amen. I think that uh, the one thing, just uh, 
that's so amazing to me about this scripture is that that God shows up in the routine of life as uh, as Moses is just caring for the the his father-in-law's sheep mm-hmm. God shows up in this miraculous way through this burning bush that's not consumed and uh, he he makes himself known and when when he's when Moses is asked to do so and God asks Moses to do something he he becomes fearful and and anxious and becomes filled with trepidation and ultimately he says but who should I say send me and and he then he that's when he gives this wonderful uh, beautiful name I am who I am and I I will be who I will be (laughs) and that's that's such a, a a phenomenal text to understand the God. And in relation uh, to the New Testament, you know, Jesus even utilizes that same ego a me. I am. I am the bread of life. I am the way and the truth and the life. That's all God's name. And so so, uh, even the way in which Jesus identifies himself Mm -hmm. with this same name. Before Abraham. Yes. Before I I am. Exactly. You know, I love in, um, in verses 11 and 12 when Moses says, Who am I that I should go? And God's response is to let Moses know he'll be with him. You know, effectively, <clears throat> God is saying to his servant, It doesn't matter who you are. That's right. You know, I'm with you. I mean, one of the greatest challenges we face in our lives today is the dominance of self. Uh, yes. I know that this is a broad question, but knowing that God has declared salvation to believers, how do we overcome ourselves? I think... Bottom line, as a, a follower of Jesus, it's about dying to ourselves. It comes down to um, an understanding that day by day, I want to die more to myself and live more to Christ. It's the text that I've shared before from Galatians 2.20, mm-hmm. you know, of, of being dead to ourselves and alive toward God. And I've been crucified yeah. Christ. Yes, exactly. Okay. And I know that's... That's a difficult thing. I, it is. I face that every day. Um, you know, but God gives Moses very specific instructions on how to proceed. You know, he, he wants him to go with the elders before Pharaoh and ask consideration to go and make sacrifices. And then he tells Moses that, he, that Pharaoh won't let him go and that God will have to intervene. So even if God is indeed with us, does that mean we won't face challenges and defeat as we seek to serve him? No, and that's that's the reality of the Christian life. We are going to have challenges. We are going to have times of defeat, even in our efforts to 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 serve and to make a difference uh, among people that we come in contact. We're going to fall down, and that is why we really do need need the Lord to come mm-hmm. alongside of us. And as you mentioned, the Holy Spirit coming alongside of us to be our helper, mm-hmm. uh, to strengthen us, to remind us of God's power uh, to do what he needs to do through us. You know, it's it's not an easy thing to trust God to the point where in the midst of your defeat, you, you know that he's there mm-hmm. and that he's picking you up, that he's helping you through it. It's just that we have to keep moving. And yes. that's one of the hardest things for me to realize at times. You know, how should we respond uh, to even in our own community of faith when we don't see God's deliverance or feel like we're failing in life. I mean, that happens within Christian communities yes. all the time. And, you know, one of the great challenges that I see today is the divisiveness within yes. the Christian faith. There, there's new 
denominations, it seems, popping up all the time. Right, different local churches. Yeah, that's you, right. Do you feel like those are meaningful divisions? Uh, is that a I fair find question? It, well, the reality is, remember, I, I always like to go back to the Lord's Prayer, <coughs> which I, when I think of the Lord's Prayer, I think of John 17, um, where, where Jesus' real prayer is for the unity of the church, the unity of the body. And so, you know, divisions are hard. Sometimes there's needed divisions because there are things that are doctrinally, um, when the fundamentals of the faith are not being followed appropriately or are being denied. Mm-hmm. And so there are times when that happens. But ultimately, to get at your question, I think it comes down to, to trusting that, that God is the one who holds everything together. Mm-hmm. That God is the one who holds together. And that even when we fail, that God is faithful that he still loves us and desires relationship with us so that when we make mistakes, that he's going to be with us. And I, you know, it's interesting. I found it almost kind of funny saying when uh, he, he says, I will be with you. Well, yeah, but what do I do then? <laughs> you know, Okay. <laughs> it means I'm going to genuinely be with you. I'm going to give you the words to speak. I'm going to, to use you as a vessel. And not not as some kind of puppeteer, but as as one to use his personality and his experience to make a difference in the lives of people. One of the things that I think is so exciting about this passage, even though we didn't read this far, the last few verses, uh, verses 21 and 22, talk about not only God delivering his people out of the oppression uh, Mm -hmm. and bondage of Egypt, but that he would do it in such a way that they would plunder Egypt in the process. Right. That people would willingly give their valuables to the Hebrews to, to honor their God. Yes. So God, is just the way he goes about doing what he does is just so elegant and so beautiful. And Amen. It, it's an inspiration to realize that, uh, that we cannot lose if we hold our trust and yes. faith in God. It's so important for us to remember who is in control. Mm. To remember that our Lord loves us and cares about us and is sovereign over all of the activities of human beings. Well, Glenn, I wonder if you would, uh, we're out of time. I wonder if you would be able to close us up tonight in an encouraging word of prayer. Yeah. Lord, we are so grateful again for your promise to be with us. And we thank you, Lord, for the ways in which you show up, the ways in which you surprise us sometimes by your presence. Lord, we pray for everyone who's listening today, that you might minister to them as only you can do through the power of your spirit, and that you would bring your word to life for each of us, that we might apply it in every area of our lives. We pray all these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Glenn. We hope you found this message encouraging. For more information, visit HopeChurchWaynesboro.org.